Welcome to the Very Fine Comic Book Podcast. I'm Mike Wood, and I'm here with... Justin Clue. And whoever wins, we lose. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, who's playing? I don't know. The aliens and the predators. The weird thing with that tagline of the movie is that, no, the predators have to win. <laughs> If yes. the Predators win, we're fine. Yeah, uh, we, we get to survive. We get to keep going. Yeah. The aliens win, then we're dead. We're all, we're all screwed. Well, it's technically the Predators winning, killing all the humans as well. I don't think they do that. No. Well, if you have weapons, they will. That's well, how they work, I right? That, uh, yeah. Them's yeah. the rules. <laughs> Pretty much. Even though they're broken every now and then in the thousands of uh, Dark Horse comics that have been published. Good transition. And today we're going to be talking about Dark Horse comics and uh, the Aliens and Predator line, specifically the very first Aliens versus Predator miniseries from 1990. God, I hope it's only the first one. That's the only one I read. So if you're, <laughs> you're going to do some other ones, uh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Well, that's that's kind of it. Um, but we'll talk about some other ones that I liked after. For anyone who doesn't know Dark Horse comics, they were a very notable, and some might say at some points, the major like third party publisher which means they had five percent of the market pretty much you'd often see these pie charts in wizard magazine they show these breakdowns god i'm glad me and uh, mike we can talk (laughs) talk wizard magazine on another podcast i do i brought up wizard magazine and just got like uncomfortable silence we were like what is he talking about in what what context Uh, we were talking about uh, an x-men movie i was like oh in wizard magazine and then i felt i'm like i have to explain what this is because i was trying to explain you know how wizard magazine would always have like who would you cast in a movie always and it would be like whoever looks the most like this person yeah like like, who was their big uh wolverine one i I remember that uh well chris claremont wanted uh bob hoskins that was his ultimate that would be incredible and i remember danny devito was often bandied about it's like a fan choice but there was this guy andy mangles who'd often write like a hollywood uh column in in wizard magazine and you know would do dream casting sections and whatnot god i loved wizard magazine so much even though that two-thirds of it was just a price guy that was useless yeah (laughs) anyway so for people that don't know wizard magazine we'll do an episode on it one day i feel like there's a lot to talk about i don't even know how it died like it just went away one day right i think it was um people like you and i realized hey why why maybe i should just buy comic books instead of magazines i'm a bigger fan of hero magazine remember that i do not wizard offshoot i remember having the number one collector's issue oh Oh, you need this hollow foil cover it's gonna be worth something one day even on magazines about comics you have Mm. to have those hollow foils we're going way before that 1986 oh is that when dark horse started yeah yeah so a fellow named mike richardson was the, uh, I guess, the founder, creator, chief executive officer of Dark Horse. And Dark Horse was really, really known uh, throughout the 80s and 90s for a lot of licensed comics done well. Mm-hmm. And every now and then you'd see Marvel or DC try and do an adaptation of, oh, here's Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Well, or, Marvel had Star Wars. Yeah, for well, a they long did an time. ongoing, like, original yeah. Star Wars stories. But every now and then they'd, like, adapt a current movie and it was done very workmanlike. Very half assed. Yeah, like, here's some C level people. Uh, adapting the latest James Bond movie, and you're like, why? Why does this even need a comic adaptation? I think I had. Was it Marvel adapts the Adventures of Ford Fairlane? I, really <laughs> that out. I did not know that existed. There's a very particular wow. style of adaptation art, which is like very shitty too. That when you see, it, you're like, ah, oh, someone doing an adaptation art. Yeah, we're just like just phoning it in. They kind of look like the people. Oh, Sometimes much. they don't because they don't have the rights to the likenesses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Dark Horse's thing early on, amongst some like really, really great you know original characters and titles which you know maybe we'll devote their own show to later on like concrete concrete was amazing ghost the mask 
which originated the Dark Horse long before the Jim Carrey movie. Mm-hmm. The Mask. I love The Mask. The, the Dark mask Horse is amazing. Oh, we yeah. should do a whole episode on The Mask. I mean, there's was... so much to do. And yeah. I mean, the, the Mask with the classic look. Oh, man, you haven't read the comic. That one's effed up. He yeah. kills people in that comic. Yeah, yeah. Which is the main gimmick of like, what if you did cartoon stuff in the real world? Well, people would die. It'd be like really <laughs> gross, which is what that comic book is. And Stanley Ipkiss, the Jim Carrey character, dies like two issues in. <laughs> I think or at the end of that miniseries. Because he gets killed and someone takes his mask away from him. Yeah, yeah. It was, um. oh, that was wild. We could do those first couple of miniseries by, who is it, John Arcudi? Oh, I don't know the those? name of the writer. Yeah. yeah. I like the art of those, like the early ones, because mm-hmm. it's like a very realistic art. It's, um, it's unsettling. Like, there's nothing yeah. fun about the mask. Like, if you saw the Dark Horse comic version of the mask in public, you wouldn't think, hey, like, sing a song and do some dance. Like he's cartoony and he has big eyes. Yeah. Like, all the bodies are very realistic. And those comics have... Which the movie doesn't. You know that like big guy mm-hmm. that's like always wants the mask and is like killing anyone that gets in. His... Was he in the cartoon? Because I, 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 I remember him. Like, I never watched the TV cartoon. No. But okay. um, what was his name? Russell? Hector? Yeah, something like that. He, he was silent. Like he didn't talk. Yeah. And he just wanted the mask. And I remember one issue he finally gets it. He puts it on and it doesn't work. And people are screaming like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't and his work. It's too big for it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he just walks away. Yeah. That and great. that's the end of it. Well, people need to understand that like a lot of these also got started in Dark Horse was one of the only combo publishers who successfully had like an anthology comic that ran regularly. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse Presents. I think Madman, did he start there too? Was he a Dark Horse guy? Perhaps. That was a bit later than when I would have been reading mm-hmm. Dark Horse Presents. But, um, but yeah. also brought in a lot of, I have a, a bunch of like old issues where they did a lot of Euro comics. So they did English translations mm-hmm. for the first time and would like split like a volume of comics into like multiple issues of, I don't remember exactly what the title was. The one that I got and I picked up for a dollar, it's issue number one. It's a uh, Jeff Darrow cover, the guy who did... Oh, that was another Dark Horse thing, was the Jeff Darrow, Frank Miller comic, mm. the guy in Boy Rusty. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the other one that was in that large form? Hardboiled. Yeah. And uh, the Jeff Darrow comic I have from Dark Horse is signed by him on the inside cover. Oh, you found it used like that. <laughs> yeah, just you, you see a little signature in the corner. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, That's great. I wonder if it's worth anything. I bet not really. Yeah. Signed stuff really isn't. But that, you so know, Dark Horse all that matters is cool it's stuff. worth something to you. <laughs> yes. And that's all. But yeah, Dark Horse were insanely cool. Was Hellboy a Dark Horse comic? Hellboy well? was. Yeah. Yeah, so Mike McNolan's like Hellboy started there. Uh, Sin City. Yep. By Frank Miller. So Dark Horse at some point got the license to the Aliens and Predator franchises from Fox. And uh, a really cool writer named Mark Verheiden, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, and we're going to say that, I'm sure, in every Every single episode episode of this podcast. Uh, Mark Verheiden wrote uh, sequels to James Cameron's Aliens and to the first Predator movie long before there was a Alien 3 or Predator 2. Well, so his sequels to the Predator is like, remember Dutch's brother? He's a detective. (laughs) So yeah, Mark Verheiden's Aliens series followed directly after the events of James Cameron's Aliens and showed you Earth for the first time before we all saw it for real in Alien 4 Resurrection. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, involved Newt and Hicks back on Earth and uh, and a lot of cool ideas in there about um, actually one which is really relevant today about how there's now too many channels and no <laughs> TV channel or any form of media can attract more than 50 viewers. And I thought that was really cool and, and ahead of its time. And of course, involves the company still trying to do some experiments and they have some xenomorphs on Earth and all hell breaks loose. And then uh, the idea of that original miniseries was that they go back and try and find the race of the space jockey that you see in the first alien movie which was brought to fruition in prometheus which we all love right ridley scott's prometheus finally canonically explained them once and for all (laughs) 
it goes a different direction in that story because Ridley Scott had that elephant-like skull-looking thing be the space jockey's helmet. Yeah, and they just accepted it as like the face right, in, the, right. in the comic book series. In the comic book, that's just its face. They're these weird elephantine things. So it goes a completely different direction and a really cool idea for what was kind of at the time a pseudo-canonical Alien 3 a couple years before Alien 3 actually existed. And at some point in 1989, a Dark Horse employee and artist called Chris Warner was the one who pitched the idea of doing a Aliens vs. Predator crossover. So the series was uh, written by Randy Stanley and illustrated by uh, someone named Phil Norwood, who originally was a pretty heavily working storyboard artist, and he'd worked on James Cameron's The Abyss. Yeah, I think that after this comic, he discovered, I can't really do regular comics, and he returned to storyboarding pretty much full-time. That's exactly it. Yeah, this is pretty much the only comic work he did. And I um, think he did a few more stories, but maybe of. like 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 one shots yeah. here or there but yeah. nothing he even says he doesn't illustrate all of this alien versus predator he does not yeah so midway through issue three he got a call to storyboard t2 mm-hmm. and just felt he couldn't pass that job up and really who would and so chris warner the artist who originally pitched the concept was uh, brought in to finish the fourth issue mm-hmm. and there's still a consistency in tone in there and it looks phenomenal and normally that sort of bothers me when that happens because you'll often see an artist leave a book early on or maybe do like a break in the middle well they have to take breaks usually yeah, you, that's when you get they the do. fill the in fill yeah. but when it's it always just usually leads me to want them to have had a better lead time mm-hmm. i mean this is a different circumstance entirely or like honestly that's an incredible offer to do T2. Well, he even said that he was very late yeah. with the issues that yeah. he was able to deliver. Right. There's a point that intro. the coloring, he didn't like it because they didn't have time to do it correctly. Exactly. Like he mentions as such in the intro to the 30th anniversary edition we have in front of us here where he did, was not prepared for how much work this would actually be. I mean, to his credit, it is incredible work. Now, did you read any other Predator or Alien comics? I had a friend. Mm-hmm. And this friend's going to come up a lot when we talk about nostalgia okay. stuff. He had every Predator and Alien comic, seemingly. Like I could not believe how many he had. I had more Aliens than Predator ones, even mm-hmm. though I love those movies movie franchises equally why alien though like the alien looks cool yeah but like i always found that once you like it can do certain things and Mm. that's pretty much it i had a comic uh, Alien Labyrinth. I That's remember. my favorite one. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. Yeah. Very disturbing. That as is a kid. incredibly disturbing. And yes, yeah, Alien Labyrinth, which came later, written by Jim Woodring. Now, uh, is Jim Woodring the guy who makes that like wild, like uh, cartoon comic books? Yeah. Uh, the uh, what's it called? Carnival <laughs> of the Animals or Carnival of. Isn't it like Let's Fred or something like that? Let me look it up. Frank. Frank. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, well, let me read it. Granville. Yeah. That's what he's known for as and, well. And uh, Jim Woodring yeah. does like the Frank book. You've seen probably the Frank character. It's like very hallucinatory, kind of disturbing, detailed stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm surprised he didn't draw because I would have been fascinated to know what his alien book would have looked like. I would have loved that too. But that series is still phenomenally like written and drawn uh, regardless. But that is probably the comic that gave me the most nightmares I as a teenager. I remember. So what's funny about this is you would have been much older than me when I read this because I probably read it in probably the mid 90s. I don't know how I had it, but I read it over and over and over again. And I vividly remember that like at the end, someone gives themselves an operation and removes the alien. Right. Like that's how the comic ends. 
you know, it's funny. I barely remember the ending. I haven't read that one in years, even though I read it over and over and over. You'd pass out before you reach the end. The the awesomest issue in that series is the flashback issue where the xenobiologist talks about how he got interested in uh, studying the the alien DNA. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it flashes back to his family being abducted and him being taken into an alien hive and surviving uh, only by doing what the aliens do and observing their sort of ant colony-like behavior, Mm -hmm. even though they're sort of slaughtering and stringing up his crewmates and family and whatnot incredible story but uh, that's the thing i liked about how dark horse approached the alien franchise was that because you just asked why aliens and i i think the good answer for that is that the aliens can never really be the main character mm-hmm. in the series so devoting the franchise to just a lot of mini series i think opened the door to a lot of uh, different types of stories that could be told in different time periods different gamuts I mean, that's the literal thing that i would say well, why not predator because that's what they did was predator right? yeah yeah I, like Oh, what if the Predator was on a pirate ship? There's like multiple pirate ship miniseries. Mm. Or what if the Predator was in the Civil War, the American Civil War? Like that's yep, another yep. one that everybody like points to. It's like, oh, that's a good one. What if the Predator was Springheel Jack, the serial killer <laughs> in uh, London, England? And it was like a from hell pastiche. Like you can get that a lot with the Predator as well. They should make all of those movies. Now yeah. that Prey was a big hit. Everyone's saying Robert just do one Robert in the yeah. 90s wrote a, a Predator on a pirate ship movie and they just never what? made it. Yeah. Amazing. Instead, he produced that like terrible remember all these things from the first movie Hmm. let's do that even prey which is a movie i very much like Mm -hmm. was still in the forest like give me a predator somewhere else not a nice caverns no thank you (laughs) that's one place i don't want him to visit but like with different characters he can interact with which is really fun uh so were there any other alien comics that were favorites of yours yeah there was one that i think was called hive there was one called Hive. I'm just not sure mm. if that's the one I'm thinking of, where a squad of Marines goes to a planet that is completely covered. Literally, you cannot see planet. When you're looking at it from descent, it is literally just covered with xenomorphs in every square inch. But two different casts of them, like how ant families will fight. Mm-hmm. And so there's uh, black xenomorphs and red xenomorphs. And they're engaged in some sort of like ant colony-esque dominance over this planet. And they, uh, the team has to go in and extract something or someone. And I don't remember that as much as... The fact that, uh, you know, the world was so overrun and it was probably absolute hell for whatever artist drew that series. Uh, I'm a commentator yeah. and I just want to say that uh, the xenomorph is not the name of the species. <laughs> it's actually the broad category. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> They're called xenomorphs. Yeah, That's, yeah. Like, it's called the xenopedia <laughs> if you look up the fandom wiki is. of it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Predator Comics, I remember vividly. Uh, my friend had a comic with a single issue and the premise was the predator is killing people and there's a kid with 3d glasses that when he puts the 3d glasses on like the predator is not invisible anymore oh i don't and, i didn't and read that, was, that like, one the whole That's premise great. of the guy which is like yeah. a single issue but because like predator works as a kind of like single issue like this is a threat mm-hmm. he's coming after people like let's go at it yeah but alien versus predator seems like such a of course idea and when people think about it oftentimes they think of predator 2 at the end when danny glover goes to the ship there's an alien head there mm-hmm. like, aha, they put that there well you know what that movie came out in 1990 1989 alien versus predator was there first yeah and so having read this when it was brand new and then seeing that movie when was it, it was a big brand deal new when it came out it, it was i mean at least on the schoolyard yeah the comic book i mean oh the comic book yeah i mean Again, yes, on the schoolyard, but <laughs> yeah. I think it probably was. At least if you read Dark Horse's own blurbs about it and how you know revolutionary it was for the time. I mean, I think the idea of this, in terms of like just IP crossovers that weren't a big superhero fight, 
I mean, isn't it wild how many crossovers there were with like Archie and the aliens? Yeah. Superman's fought him multiple times. Well, at least one article I read about this is saying that this led to, you know, the glut of mm. like Archie versus Predator. Who could forget and Justice all... League versus Predators, yeah. where the Predators get the superpowers of the Justice League and, ugh, yeah, not good. <laughs> There's a real snooze fest of, I think, Superman versus aliens. Where... Yes, that's when he goes ugh. on the planet and like the classic, like the sun is not there, so he doesn't have his superpowers. Yeah, and it was well drawn. But I remember just being infuriated that Superman will never take a life, not even one of these creatures. I I believe that was a Batman in Superman. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was the conflict was that Superman would not fight or kill the alien or because they're like, oh, you know, we don't understand them, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, come on, Superman. Come on. (laughs) But back to basics, though, like the actual story in Aliens vs. Predator is so refreshingly simple. One has to read it and realize the idea of the aliens being able to infect other creatures didn't really exist yet in Aliens lore. Mm, did it not? I thought, didn't. doesn't a dog get infected? That's in Alien 3. Okay. Yeah, so this was the thing that created the idea that, oh, wow, so they can infect other, you know, like those rinth, those rhino creatures on the planet. And in the little like prequel pages where you see them dropping in on some jungle world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they didn't do enough artistically with the designs of those. They still look like classic xenomorphs. Oh, yeah. The idea of, I mean, they don't discuss it, do they? That like when the xenomorph or the face hugger attaches itself to someone, the idea is that then that creature is supposed to be different. Right. Like the Alien 3 movie did that with Mm. the, well, in the theatrical cut, it's a dog and the uh, director's cut, it's a bull. Yes. Uh, And in Alien vs. Predator 2, the movie, isn't there a pred alien? The pred alien. He's got like dreads. Yeah. (laughs) And but then the alien toy line that came out in 1992. Do you remember these toys, the Kenner toys? Was it the based on the Aliens movie? I remember those. They were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My friend, that same friend, had them. <laughs> yeah, I had several of Derek, those. Derek, I don't think you're listening, but I vividly remember going to your house and seeing all this stuff. <laughs> they they were really well designed, and those ones went nuts with the animal designs because they couldn't just make a single xenomorph. Like there was a classic xenomorph toy, but of course they wanted you to buy more. Mm. So there were also ones that came from a scorpion, a snake, uh, an That's eagle, cool. etc. I'm a, sure a they're gorilla. all 150 dollars. They you probably are for them now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like the iconography that they're working with is not a lot in this comic. Like the fact that, you know, they have Predator, which is not a lot to go off of. And they have Alien and Aliens as mm-hmm. far as like, do either the designs we can work with, the kind of concepts and ideas, take it from there. And I would say they don't introduce anything in here. That you're like, oh, wow, this is the first place that you see it. The Predator acts like the Predator issue see in the first movie, they do introduce a lot of concepts that would then get adapted by Paul mm. W.S. Anderson in the movie. But at the same time, there is a lot of stuff that would then, con- like, like kind of base ideas, like them hunting in a pack that you get in Alien vs. Predator. True, true. And even, like, a sense of sort of the honorable... Uh enemy that you see with Danny Glover at the end of Predator 2. Right. I think that comes up first in this, mm-hmm. where, like, in the original Predator movie, he is a killing machine. Yeah, but he won't kill people that don't have guns. D- that does come up in the yes, first that, movie. Yes, because remember, yeah. uh, the woman tries to pick up the guns and, like, Arnie kicks it out of her hand, True. knowing the Predator won't attack her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I meant, like, the idea that, oh, well, you've killed one of us, and, uh, and he's bestowed upon you this honor, and so now, like, we believe in you and your hunting prowess, and yada, yada, yada. Like, I think people like the idea of like an honorable wild card kind of villain. Mm-hmm. And I think just writing the predators as as demonic invaders like would be serial really killers, lazy. yeah, it's not it's not fun. No, no. Even though in this comic there's some there's supposed to be young predators mm-hmm. who are going to this planet where they do this hunt 
uh, every couple of years and they test each other out and they actually brought the aliens there to be the things that they hunt, which I'm going to keep saying this. That is a plot of the Paul W. Sanderson movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the writers of, do get a credit in that film. They right? do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Their ideas directly taken. Except uh, Paul W. Sanderson did the opposite of what they did and in the process made it lamer. Like, why would you not want what's in this comic, which is it's basically a Western. Like they're mm-hmm. a Western cattle rancher, but in the future and then the predator has to team up with these ranch hands yeah in fact uh, that opening splash page of issue one like after these prequel stories mm-hmm. uh with that caption the terror arrived at high noon i love it it telegraphs it right up front that this is a western this is like an arid desert-like planet with some you know ranchers on the like outer rim of, of civilized space it's like the perfect setting for something like this now my only concern is mm-hmm. the protagonist of the story is a boss to which I go, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like a CEO of the company. I kind of liked her arc. Mashiko is uh, is new to the base. Uh, she was placed there by the company to oversee things and take the position of the outgoing boss who's either retiring or being um, sent elsewhere. It's never quite clear, I think. And um, the outgoing boss... It's a little like kind of, you know, stodgier, older type, you know, tells her she needs to actually get out of the office and interact with the ranchers and her staff more and take more of an interest in the surroundings, get out of the base, etc. And over those four issues, or rather the very first issue, you see her start to do that and, you know, begrudgingly to others, like gain the respect of her staff and subordinates. And how, what do you feel about like the future world that they have here? I guess it's following the templates of the, you know, other alien films, like they're a company. I do like... You know, I, I mean, they're ripping off people like Mobius because that is like, mm-hmm. you know, the designs that you go to. They even have like the guy in like the pith helmet that's like walking around, which is a, the classic Mobius look. Mm-hmm. And like the hover cars that they're driving as well or like hover vehicles that have like the two big things on the side to propel them. Yeah, I remember loving the... um like the designs of things and the technology mm-hmm. on the human and predator side when I first read this as a kid because one of my favorite things in uh, Predator 1 was uh, his self-destruct thing on his armband where the fact that he wasn't just you know outfitted with a bunch of cool weaponry and armor but the fact that oh my god they have electronics mm-hmm. they have computer systems what, what else do they have what was your favorite predator weapon I like the like uh, like the thing that he throws that like opens up into the multiple blades that he can throw. The discus thing. The discus. Yeah, thing. I love that thing too because that was such an awesome piece of weaponry in the Alien vs Predator arcade game by Capcom. Did you ever play that one? No, I never played that. Oh, one. it's incredible. I think it's my favorite That's game. That's a side scroller, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a side scroller, like you know, sixteen bit looking mid nineties. I'm gonna guess you're the predator when you play the game. You play as one of two marines or one of two predators, mm. and there are different styles of predator. I think like one's a hunter and one's a tracker, mm-hmm. and of the marines. One's <laughs> wait, wait, like, wait! There's the difference with the side scroll and beat them up. Yeah, there is. So the two predators play very differently. The two uh, marines, human marines, play very differently. Mm-hmm. Time to hunt. And did you ever play the first-person shooter uh, Alien vs. Predator game? That's another one people really like. Yeah, like once on PC, some mm. friends had it set up on some LAN thing, and it seemed kind of fun. But yeah, just, I think like, you can even be the reason. alien, too, and like walk around and yeah, like, scratch you can, like, people. Yeah, walk on ceilings. I've even played it once on Atari Jaguar. Yeah, that's where it was famous, <laughs> yeah. is the Atari Jaguar version. You had a friend who had an Atari Jaguar? No, but they used to have a display kiosk at Sam the Record Man. <laughs> Please buy this. That's Nobody literally the this. only Atari Jaguar I've seen in person. So I know they've made at least one unit. That's like a vaporware game, too, because like 
they've done Atari Jaguar collections because they recently did that like what was it called? Oh, like, the Atari Fifty collection. Yeah, is Alien vs Predator in there? No, oh. they don't have the license for <laughs> Alien vs Predator. There's no way. That's a shame. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely pick it up if it had that, but no, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the comic, so yeah, I felt that it had a very kind of like Mobius style structure mm-hmm. and setup to it. I'm curious. Now, actually, for people who don't know Mobius, explain what you mean by that. Uh, Mobius is basically any sci-fi concept that you've seen that looks futuristic and is not in that kind of metropolis style art deco i'm thinking of like the max fleischer superman cartoons and by way of bruce tim batman kind of setup if it's not that and it's round they're ripping off mobius <laughs> and i think that mobius what are his famous trip uh, like the incul mm-hmm. is the big famous one the one he did with uh, jodorowsky i'm trying to think of like what are the other like big stories of his I think of the idea of Mobius more than I think of like one particular book that he wrote. Same, other than, yeah. Than the Inkle. Yeah, I love the Inkle. I love his uh, Silver Surfer. Oh, that's right. Novel. The one he did with Stan Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But other than that, he's kind of like a free-flowing presence of mm-hmm. like, anytime I see like Mobius books on the shelf, it'll be like, Mobius, this volume. And I was like, but what is this? Like, what, <laughs> what, which one am I supposed to read? Yeah, yeah. But I get the feeling he did get out of like sequential art after a while to do more just like designs and things like that. Because mm. he worked... He was one of the guys that was on the Jodorowsky Dune movie, wasn't he? He was. Like the yeah. original version. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that didn't get made. And then, I mean, The Fifth Element is the Mobius movie. Like, all those designs. I don't know if he was involved on that film. Probably not in the slightest, nor paid in any way. <laughs> but, like, those are all, like, his designs. Yeah. And, like, a city with, like, a million floating cars in them. A point that people have seen is, like, Attack of the Clones. Like, that is the Mobius design. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it is. I didn't even say, like, Heavy Metal. He wrote Heavy Metal stories. Mm-hmm. And what is it called? the one that Dan O'Bannon wrote that's adapted into the heavy metal movie like a little short detective story oh Blade Runner's oh. Mobius as well too like that's yeah, a yeah. Mobius I don't know the name of that story but that, that story is great in heavy metal yeah. oh and actually this artist on uh, Alien vs. Predator Phil Norwood his first credited work on IMDb was working on heavy metal okay that he was sense. an animator on the uh, the Den segment and the Tarna segment oh uh, okay yeah so uh, you could totally see that sort of heavy metal and like Euro comics and Mobius like inspiration in the pages of Alien versus Predator here. Mm-hmm. And in 1989, that stuff is present, but probably not that accessible. And I know that Dark Horse brought a lot of Mobius stuff into English translation for the first time. And that mm-hmm. was one of their main kind of like pushing things through. When we're on the topic of Dark Horse, before I forget, they own so many manga properties that they refuse to keep in print. Oh God, like, like what? Lone Wolf and Cub, Crying Freeman, I believe they oh, also wow. owned. And like, they're infamous for like, why are these not more available? Like when they publish uh, Lone Wolf and Cub for the first time, they publish them in tiny little I had books. a few of those, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And even like, I got the omnibuses mm-hmm. uh, at BMV, which I feel is a story we'll mention a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because me and Mike freaking a lot. I saw like they had all 12 for like 150 bucks. I was like, I got to get this. Each or total? Total. Oh, wow. For all of That's them. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Mm. And so like Dark Horse, bring that manga back into print. I don't. Why are you holding on to it? Oh, they own Ghost in the Shell, too, which they continually bring back into mm-hmm. print. They got like a bunch of titles early on. They did Appleseed early on as oh, well. Oh, wow. Which yeah. is the other Ghost in the Shell okay. uh, artist guy, that like the proto Ghost in the Shell one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, basically this was my corner to say, Dark Horse, bring this manga back into print, please. Bring everything back into print, please. Mm-hmm. To their credit, they do Are do you a good say job. say they do a lot of digital stuff? I, I don't know that they do. Yeah. Because uh, I own a lot of physical Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, to their credit, a lot of the best ofs are perpetually in print. And they've done a really good job of omnibusing. Oh, they did for a while. Now they're the stuff, a little yeah. bit difficult to get I, due to licensing issues. Yeah. I mean, th- like that's the challenge, though, with every publisher. Like, mm-hmm. what do you choose to keep in print? Especially uh, Dark Horse, yeah. which is... 
difficult because they have a lot of licenses. Yeah, so yeah. like they can't. I don't believe they can publish Star Wars stuff anymore. Right. So that's a this is a good time to talk about how um, yeah they've not been able to publish uh, Aliens or Predator uh, for a while now because. Disney bought Fox, mm-hmm. and so this is fascinating yeah. because it seemingly did they make a deal with Dark Horse because Marvel has started to republish the Alien and Predator comics that Dark Horse published in big omnibuses, and they've, Marvel have been republishing Dark Horse's Star Wars comics. Oh, too. they have. Yeah, so I would hope that Dark Horse themselves and all related creators oh. do get a share of that. You know what happened to Dark Horse, right? What they happened? got bought by the Embracer Group, like a gigantic like conglomerate. What? In 2022. Yeah. Oh my god. I did not hear that. So, like, they'll probably uh, be, like, cut up and sold for parts soon enough. Oh, that's depressing. Anyway, but getting back to the <laughs> Predator. Yeah. yeah. Like, they got bought by, like, a video game conglomerate that, like, owns a bunch of, like, video game uh, studios. Ugh. Hate it. And in turn is probably, I don't know. Yeah, they'll bury those things and just sell them. Or probably, like, Marvel will own them because Disney will own them. And as long as they don't just, like, sit on the properties because they want to keep things pure like that's fine like as long mm-hmm. as he keeps the stuff in like the predator or the alien stuff like that's good like mm-hmm. as long as it's out there and the guys you can make a buck on this if you put it out in the world so yeah even if so marvel are producing new alien and predator comics and I've, I've read them and they're fine but even if they were not producing anything new with these ips and merely owning them as a result of disney buying fox keep them in print yeah and they are they do seem to be doing that to their mm-hmm. credit like and there's... we should say, they are a monopoly. Disney should not own. Yes, <laughs> for the record. But yeah, you are sitting on some very, very reprintable, perpetually sellable backlog gold here with a lot of these Dark Horse comics. So getting back to the comic, I mean, this is like the ultimate baseline how you would do this kind of story, mm-hmm. which is like a bunch of predators show up. Uh, the aliens show up at the same time. And so like the predators are killing people on one hand. And then you also have the aliens are infecting people on the other. And so like, they're kind of coming together to reach a climactic point when of course our heroine has to team up with a predator and take these aliens down. Yeah. I like the whole B plot with one of the predators being found injured mm-hmm. and being taken to base and the two people who completely like bypass uh, the company's, you know, xenobiological uh, quarantine controls just to be like, hey, look, we found an alien. Mm-hmm. I mean, a predator, but and just take him to sickbay and that act of mercy and him being patched up by the base's doctor leads to him teaming up with uh, the base commander later. The story is insanely compressed in a good way. Yeah, there's something about it which feels like if this were told today would be. You know, maybe 12 or more issues and take place over the course of a year or something God, like that. God, what like, a nightmare. Like, this is a couple of short stories that were originally told in Dark Horse Presents and then four issues and it's done. Oh, yeah. So the short, like the prologue happened in Dark Horse Presents? That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. over three or four issues of that. Mm-hmm. And the prologue sets up everything you need to know about the Predators seeding worlds with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, xenomorph eggs. I mean, it does a lot of smart storytelling where like you're hearing these two characters talk about like Darwinism and mm-hmm. the morality of doing things while you're seeing like an alien queen trapped. And basically uh, the alien queen, even though she's like, trapped allows another queen to be sent to the planet and this is not super clear if you're not paying attention but it's all there like in the visuals without like any any of the captions telling you that this is happening yeah it's a great piece of visual storytelling the fact that like the queen is trying to hijack this hunt by producing an egg that is a queen egg Mm -hmm. and sort of letting that get through even though she's chained up and just being used for egg breeding stock. Now, how do you feel about, like, there's a weird undercurrent in this, which is like, you need to feel alive by hunting. 
Like that's what makes you like the characters are talking about. It. Now these are two kind of like doofus characters mm-hmm. that get brutally murdered in the only way you can in an alien comic, <laughs> which is like, I don't feel so well. Oh! And then an alien <laughs> comes out of them. Uh, but you also get that sense, like the protagonist at the end is like, I want to be a hunter. And like reading a little bit like on Wikipedia, like that's became her role in her further appearances, like throughout the years of like, she joins the predators and she starts hunting stuff, specifically aliens. Yeah. So she's one of the few characters that actually had some continuity beyond this miniseries. The vast majority of these alien and predators miniseries by Dark Horse were just done in one miniseries that had no continuity from one thing to the next. Uh, This story eventually did have a very short sequel published in a Dark Horse fifth anniversary special, which is in here Mm -hmm. after the end. And that's the bit where Mashiko's living in that shack waiting for the Predators to come back. That's not made clear in this 30th anniversary. Yes, I wish they demarcate the issues. Again, actually, Dark Horse have never been very good about that in their collections. All, everybody, you gotta demark. They don't do that. You gotta demark the issues. Just tell me what issue it's from. Just Just put the cover in there. I was very confused. I'm like, the story's continuing after this? Yeah, like, it yeah. feels like an epilogue. So there's that little epilogue that was published five years later and set five years later. Mm-hmm. And then, and this actually bothers me about the 30th anniversary collection, it prints the first of five issues of the sequel miniseries. War. War. Yeah. Which then begs the question, why not include the whole thing? Because they want your money. This was probably published in conjunction with war starting. I would bet money on it, right? No, no. No? So this is the new collection, the 30th anniversary collection. Okay. Which includes issue one of war. Yeah. Which, to my memory, even though I have the original trade somewhere in storage, it's not part of that trade because war didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like... An advertorial, I like hate wedged that. in the I back. I hate that when that's a, yeah. in, the, in the comics. Like, hey, you enjoyed this? Buy this next uh, story too, which we've just given you 20% of. It's like, you're just adding to the page count of the overall collection. And what if I can't find a trade of war now in 2023? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like They could have just included the whole thing or just not include that at all. In fact, Marvel... Uh, maybe 10 years ago, this came up in solicitations for upcoming content that a bunch of hardcovers of never reprinted Marvel stuff were going to include some assorted new issue Ugh. of like each respective character. Yeah. And I remember um, I was excited because Longshot was going to get its first hardcover edition. What, what's Longshot? Uh, that's that Marvel character with the luck powers. <laughs> I've never Art heard Adams of created. him. Let's do her. it for an upcoming issue. I'm giving Mike a blank stare that you do not know who this is. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him later. Wait, are we calling episodes issues now? Because he said for an upcoming <laughs> issue. So that was going to include a random issue of like some you know new issue of x factor that Longshot appeared in and i remember people on forums just being like why would you include that it's not the same creators and it has nothing to do with the original story mm-hmm. like you're only putting it in there to you know try Hopefully and get people, people will buy the future stuff yeah. yeah but then it lives on in a weird unfinished fashion on library or bookshelves later mm-hmm. so i don't know i just rather things be collected a little more comprehensively Now, how do you feel about the way the Predator's face looks? Should he keep his mask on or off? I always like that every Predator movie has to have that moment where he loses his mask. Yeah. I kind of like that. I mean, in the Alien vs. Predator movie, which for the record, I do not like. The Paul Dever Sanderson movie. Have you ever seen it? I'm totally fine with that movie. (laughs) Uh, The Predator keeps his mask off a lot in that film. To the point that at the end, it looks like he's going to kiss the protagonist (laughs) when they're staring into each other's eyes. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, not not a. Fa- I just think he looks more menacing with some ads. This is like the Judge Dredd, uh, yeah. even or a more modern comparison. Mandalorian rule: like, keep the mask. Keep on. the mask. Yeah, on. it looks cooler. That and way. actually, the mask on works well with something this uh, story does, where the Predator knows he can't be understood by Mashiko, so he's perpetually recording things that she's saying to him and uh, her other crewmates and then like replaying an audio snippet of something that contextually still works with what she's trying like to express. Just like Michael Bay's Bumblebee. <laughs> the classic oh, uh, replaying uh, radio and TV stuff. Pretty much. And something that did bother me in this yeah. and this isn't the pedantic nerd coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, aliens have acid blood. Actually, yes, you're right. That doesn't come up. This does not come up at, at all. all in this comic. And they're like, she's shooting them like Point Blake in the face. Yeah, yeah. There should be more leakage and spillage and, mm-hmm. and melting through things. Um, but the comic does know it because the predators do use the uh, you know severed alien yeah, fingers to uh, mark each bit. other's foreheads. You know, when the storytelling reasons, it makes more sense. Uh, that's yeah, why you yeah. would utilize it. I do think as well, near the end of the comic, it becomes very, um, we got to hit those beats from those first alien movies. Mm-hmm. Where it's the classic, like, we're escaping in the ship. We got to close the airlock. And the uh, alien queen comes through. Uh, cool ending of it, though, where her head gets cut off. Yeah, by the um, bulkhead doors. But that kind of probably should have leaked acid down through and mm. ruined the whole hull and because as we yeah. know in the first alien like one little drop of blood leaks all the way through the hull yeah multiple stories of the ship mm-hmm. yeah so wait where did the comic end like i'm looking at the pages here like the predator dies the last panel she's crying and then the next page is the epilogue i assume yeah so this is the first page of the five years later mm-hmm. that you're looking at right here so yeah so i think this is, is it <laughs> yeah yeah wow okay as far as I remember. But again, like, please demarcate your issues. Mm-hmm. All publishers. So Alien vs. Predator, is it one of the best kind of like, uh, I guess, franchises coming together in another medium? Can you think of any other, not even just a versus comic, but just like an adaptation of a property in a comic book form that was extending the universe that you really liked? That's a big question. That's a very big question. I'm hard pressed to, but I do think this is like a perfect example of everything you just said. Mm -hmm. It takes what was already sort of established... You know, even as minimal as it might be for the Predator himself and just the single movie at this point and, and the two alien movies, which featured a lot more lore and mash them together in such a refreshingly basic way. Using the classic Western as a framework for it was such a good decision. How has no Predator movie done like the Western? Yeah. Like it's so easy or even an alien movie for that. They still they could. They yeah, should. They should. Like if I was uh, Disney, I just yeah, just keep churning out some like two hour, uh, you know. No, ninety minutes, Mike. <laughs> not, not two hours. Yeah, if I was Disney, just done in ones. Don't create a universe. No, I would do like a ninety minute every two years. What yeah. if it was like every year you get an alien movie, every second year you get a predator movie, and then you know you go through those until people are completely tired with them. Do, do yeah. it for like twenty million dollars or twenty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Set it in one location, be it novel every time, like. Uh, you know, we were talking about that early run with Dutch's brother. I think one of them takes place in Serbia, like right away, where it's like, oh, it's a predator in the ice planet. Even though in Predator 2, they <laughs> say that the predator is attracted to heat. True, true. Is that Predator Cold War? Yeah, I think Cold they call it. War yes, is yes. what it's called. Uh, oh, I love 
that one too. And if people have any favorite Predator or Alien comics, yeah, I don't know that many, so recommend them. When I was looking at top 10 lists, they were pretty much the same ones. Like Cold War, like mm. that trilogy uh, that was Dutch's brother. There was also that Civil War one. Uh, they all have very like generic one-word titles. I think there is one called Prey, but it's not based on the Prey movie, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I've heard excellent things about the recent ones, which I've read none of. Uh, Aliens Dead Orbit, as I, th- I think is the one by oh, James, James Stucco. Stucco. Yeah. Well, so, I'm a huge fan of that artist. I love uh, James. Uh, is it Stucco or Stoko? We will be asking this every, every single episode. name of every episode. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, like the story of that one. I find okay. it very good, but I love his art. Like his mm. art is so good that like that's an easy re- Have you read the Godzilla one that he did? It was called like... It's not Final Wars. Uh, uh, Half Century War. I flipped through it at a friend's. I didn't read oh, it, so but good. just looking at every single page was just like story enough. Like the oh gimmick of that one is that like every issue is a new decade. Mm-hmm. So like the Godzilla monsters have changed and like, but it's a you're following the same character as he's like fighting Godzilla every decade. Mm-hmm. Great comic. Were those Dark Horse as well? Yes, they were. Okay. Because I think, does Dark Horse still own the Godzilla license? I think they do. I hope they still own a lot of things that uh, yeah. have not been taken away from them. No, yeah, I think they still own Godzilla. I love Dark Horse and I want them to succeed <laughs> in it all things. It may be a thing that like, I think it's like Godzilla because Legendary owns Godzilla okay. as well. Okay. So I'm not sure who is doing like the main publication. Hmm. Godzilla is a weird thing in comics is that like Dark Horse did a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not that big a fan. I think they own Gamera as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I have that big arrow box out of the Blu-ray. I have that too, but are there Gamera comics? Have there ever been? Wait, do you have the big one or do you have... I have the big like heavy box. Yeah, so like, I'm pointing right up there. Do you have that box? That's the one. Yep, there's there's a hardcover and it's only okay. Gamera comics that are published by Dark Horse inside of it. Justin owns exactly three Blu-rays and <laughs> yeah. one of them is Gamera. Yeah, I only own three Blu-rays. <laughs> For if you are somehow stumbling <laughs> upon this podcast and do not know the other things that I do, this will be the reality of this podcast. Exactly. Unless another one is mentioned, in which case I have bought that Blu-ray recently. So I hope people uh, will go and read Alien vs. Predator. It's a great comic, and it's still easily accessible, I feel. Like, it keeps c- continually getting published. Very. I'm sure, like, any newer used comic shop would have, like, a variety of different printings of it over the years. Is it? Did they do an Alien vs. Predator omnibus Marvel, or would it be included in the Predator or Alien one? I'm sure there was... Like one of those old style, like white paperback omnibuses. Yeah, but those are hard to get. Those are very hard to get. Yeah. Uh, But like the big hardcover ones, I've seen them like Predator. I saw them at the Beguiling recently. I'm sure it would warrant its own omnibus because Aliens versus Predator as like a title Mm -hmm. had so many miniseries of its own. You could easily fill a whole omnibus of those. So yeah, they're very, very in print. I hope they stay in print forever. Yeah, check them out. And can we get a new Predator movie, please? That's that's different. I think Prey did pretty well, right? Like, people liked it. Very well. Did you watch it? Oh, I loved it. Okay. Yeah. So, just do, like, weird Predator stuff. That's all That's all we want. Make that, that Pirate that Predator movie, please. It's It, it, it writes itself. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's multiple comic Make that Samurai Predator movie. Like, there's so many. Samurai Predator oh, movie. No, can... <laughs> thank you. Uh, what do I want? A rock climbing Predator movie? Oh, a skateboarding Predator movie? <laughs> extreme oh, Predator. What if the Predator yeah. goes to the extreme game? And oh. so, like, all the extreme game athletes have to team up <laughs> using their special skills to take down the Predator. I see that. Or maybe the Predator is honorable, and he challenges them each to their game. Oh, my God, yeah. Using his skills. All right, we've written this pitch. Disney, give us a ring. This would be the uh, tealist movie ever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So that's 
it for this week's episode. You can send us emails at the very fine comic book podcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe on multiple platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pick your poison and tell your friends and re- give us a review. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if you don't give us a nice review anyway, five stars. <laughs> That's all we want. We want nothing less. And also what are we doing next week? I think we discussed it a little bit earlier on judge dread, mm-hmm. which is interesting because me and Mike know nothing of this topic. I know nothing at all beyond the awesome Carl Urban movie and the well, also, Sylvester okay, Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not very good even though that it does bring to the screen a bunch of weird 2000 AD properties that are not like you know that big robot fights in that movie it, with the guy with the, the gear thing in his head the winding no there's like a big robot man? that they when oh. they meet that cannibal family like it's there that's actually a character from ABC Warriors which is a different oh, wow. 2000 AD strip okay. uh, that movie's a huge mess I'm sure we'll talk about for it for sure those words mean nothing to me right now no. but I, I hope they do next week yeah Mike's gonna get all <laughs> he's gonna come in he's like I know everything about 2000 AD I recommended that we not start at the beginning because mm. the way that like judge dread is structured is you know it takes a while to find its footing because it's like six page stories uh we're going to read the apocalypse war which according to you people on the internet is one of the more famous judge dread stories so until next week my name is justin the glue i'm mike wood thanks for listening you tell me which one is better it's aliens versus predator who is faster who is better aliens versus predator who will survive it's aliens versus predator